the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I think that there's going to be a revival in our nation. And there might even be a revival in San Francisco, which really would be historic because there's never been one in San Francisco. So we need to keep together. We need to keep the main thing, the main thing. We need to invite people to come to Jesus. What a strange time. So many people are talking about a possible revival, and yet the church doors are closed. We are commanded to go into all the world and share the gospel, and yet we're in so-called lockdown, being told to stay home. (laughs) Only the Lord would turn it all upside down and then put it right for His purposes. I'm Mike Trout, welcoming you to the concluding broadcast in Psalm 2 of study verse by verse with Pastor Leighton Sheely from Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. So the sober description in verses 8 and 9 lead to a call to repentance in verses 10 through 12. The end has not yet come. There is still time for the rulers to be wise before they are broken with a rod of iron. They need to come to the anointed one and stop the rebellion and submit to the king to serve. That word serve in verse 11 has the idea of not only of a political submission, but also of worship as well. And that's why in some translations it is translated, worship the Lord with reverence, and elsewhere worship the eternal reverently. The word fear in the Old Testament, especially when God is the object, often has the meaning of awe and respect and reverence. To kiss the sun is an expression of homage such as like kissing the ring or bowing or lowering the, the head. It is, it is a, a, an act of respect, acknowledging subservient to the other. And so this, this passage, verses 10 through 12, comprise a passage in which the earthly rulers are required to serve God and to acknowledge his appointed king. And then it's got a, a phrase, for his wrath is quickly kindled, and It's important that that not be misunderstood to suggest that God has a short temper or a short fuse. God describes himself thus in Exodus 34. The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him, that is Moses, there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger. And abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Slow to anger. God describes himself as being slow to anger. In the Old Testament there are no less than 12 times when God is described as being slow to anger. So what it's saying here is not that God has a short temper. But rather that God's wrath is stored up until an appointed time. And that when that time comes and there has been no repentance, then God's wrath is poured out quickly and finally. 
When that time comes, any opportunity to get right with God is gone. You perish in the way means you die suddenly, unexpectedly, before what might be the normal time. From the time of Emperor Nero and for centuries thereafter, Roman Caesars attempted to crush and abolish Christianity. And for all of their efforts, Christianity triumphed as Caesars came and went. Charles Spurgeon quotes William S. Plummer, who wrote, Of 30 Roman emperors, governors of provinces, and others in high office who distinguished themselves by their zeal and bitterness in persecuting the early Christians, 30, one became speedily deranged after some atrocious cruelty. One was slain by his own son. One became blind. The eyes of one started out of his head. One was drowned. One was strangled. One died in miserable captivity. One fell dead in a manner that will not bear recital. One died of so loathsome a disease that several of his physicians died because they couldn't survive the stench that filled the room. Two committed suicide. A third attempted it but had to call for help. To finish the work, five were assassinated by their own people or servants. Five others died in the most miserable and excruciating death, several of them having an untold complication of diseases. Eight were killed in battle or died after being taken prisoner. Thirty Caesars and leaders of Rome who set themselves up against God and his anointed and his church. Those who rebel against God suffer both in this life and the life to come. I'm really glad the psalm doesn't end there. There's one more thought. And I like to put the word but or however before it. Because it illustrates the contrast of the destruction that is described before with the alternative. But blessed are all who take refuge in him. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. One scholar said, there's no refuge from him. There's only refuge in him. Take refuge in him appears 24 times in Psalm. With God as the protector, it means his covering, his care for, his helping, his protection. How happy are the people God takes care of? How fortunate are the people God blesses. So really, this psalm provides an outline for an evangelistic invitation. It provides a a definition to our problem, that is, our revolt against God and his word and his way. It offers a solution, the Son. It warns of the judgment to come, and it calls us to surrender to him in worship. The road to the Father's house is marked. The door is open. Christ stands at the door. We need to come in and kiss the Son. Blessed are all who take refuge in Jesus. Now, as I mentioned earlier, this is particularly poignant, I think, at this time, because we are presently surrounded by commotion and chaos, are we not? Leaders and people who are rebelling against God and godliness. 
And in this time, we as Christians and we as a church must keep the main thing the main thing. We need to keep the main thing the main thing. You know, I was walking a number of months ago, I guess it was, and there were two of the wonderful ladies of the church were having some kind of a discussion, and one of them uh, looked up and said, Pastor, uh, why don't you preach more on politics? Tell us who to vote for. <laughs> and uh, then proceeded to tell me who I should vote for. <laughs> and uh, the lady that was standing next to her, another dear saint, looked at her and says, no, you've got it all wrong. You need to vote for, you know, so-and-so. And what it took place is they were each evaluating the options, but one valued the moral positions, and, and the other one valued the perceived social benefits. And so they had two different perspectives on this. You know, the problem with it is politics divide. And we have a mission as a church where we cannot be divided. You know what our mission is? It's to go and make disciples. That is our Christ-given mission as a church. And we can't do that if we're divided. Now, some might say, well, Pastor, are you suggesting that we as individuals, shouldn't be involved in in, in the political process? No, I'm not saying that at all. In fact, let me say it this way. If you're a believer, you have a responsibility before God to be salt and light. You have a responsibility to bring the light of God, the truth, and to be salt, to be a preservative. And if you have the opportunity to be that salt and light in the political process, you have a responsibility before God to do so. And you need to do the research so you know what you're voting for. A lot of Christians these days, they don't know what they're voting for. And uh, so when I vote, I, I do some research. I look at the God's Word, and I look at the platforms, the descriptions of the goals of the party, and so forth. And I do some research so that I can make an informed, edu- educated, if you will, decision on which is the better course. You know, I have been looking for a perfect candidate and a perfect party And there is no such thing, because they're made up of people. There's only one perfect person. That's Jesus. He never appears on any ballot. So all I have ever had is a choice between bad and worse. Okay? Um, But that's our responsibility as individuals, and that's distinct from our responsibility as a church. Our responsibility as a church is to do what Christ told us to do, which is to go and make disciples, baptize them, and and teach them. And we've got to keep the main thing the main thing. I think that there's going to be a revival in our nation, and there might even be a revival in San Francisco which really would be historic because there's never been one in San Francisco. And we need to be ready as a church family to help these new believers get grounded in their faith because if we don't, there's a lot of cults out there that would just love to take over for us. So we need to keep together, we need to keep the main thing 
the main thing. We need to invite people to come to Jesus. We need to bring them to Jesus. Blessed are all who take refuge in Jesus. So as we're surrounded by the nations and the peoples that rage, we're surrounded by leaders that conspire against God and godliness, we have our hope in this. Blessed are all who take refuge in Jesus. And with that, we say amen. This brings us to the end of this short series in Psalm 2. And our teacher has been Pastor Leighton Sheely. This is Study Verse by Verse, a ministry outreach of Church of the Highlands in San Bruno, where Pastor Leighton is the senior pastor. And don't forget, we are a nonprofit ministry. You may want to join with us. Just become a part of our team and help continue this incredible teaching we hear on a daily basis. You can do that when you go to the website, highlands.us. That's highlands.us. Tell your friends about the broadcast and join us tomorrow as we launch into a new series. Bring something that uh, will enable you to take notes because Pastor Layton will be presenting his study verse by verse.